0: welcome to the great little zion baptist church we celebrate your presence here today with us enjoy the worship service as you sit back and listen to the singing as it gives inspiration to your soul and then the preaching of the word of god as it gives instruction to your soul be blessed as god has a word for you today
1: good morning zion hallelujah you are worthy to be praised come on and sing with us Thank
0: zion this is our children's moment before we go into the sermon so if you will gather the children around the virtual space so i can share with them a very special word that's specifically for them on a very special occasion in which the disciples were in dialogue with jesus but yet listening as he taught some lessons some people brought some children to jesus They brought the children because of the reputation of Jesus being able to pray for them, laying his hands on them. In his attempt to do that, the disciples began to rebuke those who brought the children as well as the children. But Jesus gave a lesson to prove that you, little boy, little girl, you, child of a mother, child of a father, you, first grader, second grader, kindergarten, third grader, fourth grader, on up, you are valuable to the kingdom of God and when those disciples attempted to rebuke and by rebuke we mean stop them from coming to Jesus Jesus looked at them as recorded in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 14 he says to the disciples don't do that let those little children come to me don't forbid them for such they are for the kingdom of God that means that you are so valuable to God that God compares you as being great treasures for the kingdom of God here's the message for you every morning when you wake up and you see yourself in the mirror remind yourself I am the child of a king and his name is Jesus and he told me I am valuable to his kingdom Don't ever forget that. God loves you, and so do I. Have a blessed time in the Lord, little children.
2: Amen. Good morning, Great Little Zion Baptist Church friends and family. Here are our weekly announcements. You, yes you, you are invited to our Zion Day worship service. It will be on Sunday, October the 18th at 10 a.m. on YouTube Live featuring guest speaker, Reverend Dr. Charles E. Goodman Jr. Can't wait to see you there. Every Wednesday night, please tune in at 6 p.m. for prayer meeting and 7.30 p.m. for our virtual adult Bible study. This month, our youth and young adult Bible study will be on October the 13th at 6 p.m. and at 7 p.m. Also, every weekend, Don't forget to tune in for our Sunday schools, Youth and Young Adult Sunday Schools, every Saturday at 10 a.m. and Adult Sunday School, every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Tune in, check in, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We hope that you have an amazing Sunday and can't wait to worship with you again and again. Have a blessed day.
0: your bibles and join me if you will in first john chapter 5 first john chapter 5 and we're going to read selected passages first john chapter 5 we're going to read first verses 4 through 5 and then secondly verses 13 through 15 first john chapter 5 beginning at verse 4 word of the lord For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And then in verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Verse 14, and this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Today, I want to talk from the subject, a bottom line perspective, a bottom line perspective. You may be rejoicing to know that this is the last sermon in our journey in 1 John. It's been a wonderful journey. I've enjoyed sharing it with you, but I'm certain there's any time the preacher, pastor goes through a book of the Bible that the membership generally is excited that they're actually come to its conclusion and then transition into something more perhaps exciting. For I understand in this journey that there have been times in which the sermonic expression has been a bit challenging, but yet my prayer is that as we went through every single sermon in this book that we learn at least the key Themes that John asserted to provide for us. The theme of love, the theme of Jesus the Christ, the theme of the Holy Spirit, and the theme of eternal life. Those were critical thematic gestures that John wanted us to learn in this series. You might ask, how is it that we only did up to chapter four, verse one through six, and how is it that this final sermon is the last sermon. It's merely because the remaining verses in chapter 4 and in chapter 5 are really nothing more than a literal repeat of what we have already acquired in chapters 1 through 3. For example, in chapter 4 verse 7 all the way to chapter 5 verse 3, John once again reemphasizes admonishes his believers in his community to love one another as Christ has loved them, to love one another because whoever is born of God has love, and that love has to be expressed one to another in order for us to be effective witnesses for the kingdom of God. In chapter 5, verses 6 all the way to verse 12, It's comparative to chapter 1, verse 3, entire chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Because there John concentrates on the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit in his working in us is identifying the Son of God and magnifying the influence that the work of Christ has on each of our life in chapter 5 verses 18 through 21 it's comparative to chapter 1 verse 8 through 10 and chapter 2 verse 1 through 2 and that is we have freedom through the Holy Spirit and the word of God we've been given freedom to break the chains of habitual sin it's a rejoicing moment to know that we don't have to be chained in prison because of a habit and then in chapter 5 verse 13 through 17 is a parallel to chapter 3 verse 19 through 24 that we have an assurance in Christ that we have eternal life because of what he has done through his finished work. I lift that up because in the literal sense it is again those themes in which John tries to emphasize but let me spread that horizon. John says, I want you to first know that Jesus Christ is the incarnate son of God. It's critical that that is a conviction in your heart. Secondly, he says that genuine Christianity is identified by godly love that's expressed to both the Christian and the non-Christian. And as I said earlier, third. The Holy Spirit provides the power to break habitual, defeating sin in our life. This book led me to something that I thought was quite incredible in rereading what I had read before. It comes out of the words of Dr. Cornel West in his book entitled Hope on a Tight Rope. And this is what Dr. West says. It was an interesting statement, one that causes me in a moment to cringe but yet at the same time I understood its implication I quote he says it is unclear whether we're going to make it I'm not an optimist at all that struck me but then he says Mr. Barack Obama says in his book he has the audacity to hope Cornel West says well what price are you willing to pay? It's no longer enough to be willing to die. You have to be willing to live the truth. Somehow, you have to be able to walk that tight rope because that's what truth is. It's walking a tight rope in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution, In the face of frustration, in the face of agony, it's walking that tight rope, holding on to the faith that you're going to be victorious, and even acknowledging that I may not see the victory completely on this side of existence. But yet, I have to write, I have to walk this tight rope because I have to write in the space of my existence that i have the audacity to hope and believe in the presence of pessimistic contexts i love first john because the practical nature of this book invites us to consider at least three statements that i've come upon that i think will revolutionize us in comprehending What John is attempting to say. The first statement is the stronger principle of growth lies in human choice. I'll say that again. The stronger principle of growth lies in human choice. See, remember what John was confronting his community about was you have a choice to love. Even though inside of you is a living Christ who loves you, it yet will not be manifested until you've decided that I will express out what's going on in the inside of me. You have the power, says John, to make a choice not to permit the habitual nature of evil to trap you within its prison, but you've got to make that choice. In fact, it's a stronger principle Because I think often we devalue how much power we have in making a choice. Think of what Joshua tells his departing as he departs and moves along, quote unquote, in his years of retirement from ministry. Listen to what he tells the people as he passes off the torch. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether it be the gods on the other side of the flood, in whom your father served, or even in whose land you dwell in Canaan. But as for me and my house, we've decided, we've chosen to serve the Lord. I challenge you today, make that choice to serve God no matter what the cost is. Listen to the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his work, The Cost of Discipleship, in which he reminds us that if you expect to walk in the grace of God, you cannot choose cheap grace, which has no cost to it at all, but you've got to work with costly grace That grace that is sacrificial and it makes you work and you have to work by way of choice and nothing else. There's a second statement. The second statement says that victory belongs to the most persevering. Victory belongs to the most persevering. Question becomes, will you persevere? with what I call a nevertheless attitude. You've gotta read the gospel narratives to listen to Jesus as he comes to the close of at least his earthly ministry and walks into that space called the Garden of Gethsemane. And there is before him this bitter cup, this cup in which it encompasses a great deal of pain and sorrow and frustration and agony and Jesus looks to the father and says is there any possible way that this kind of trauma can pass over my life but Jesus exhibits what John is calling us to do have a nevertheless attitude and Jesus says nevertheless not my will but that your will will be done it's because John has not only witnessed it but is trying to convey to us that life has those moments in which it tests your perseverance and you already know that you are victorious by way of spirit by way of word but now you have to live out the manifestation of your victory and so John really consults us to understand in making your choice put on your endurance shoes Run this race with perseverance because you're the one who is going to adopt the nevertheless attitude. No matter what obstacle is in the way, no matter how many hurdles we have to get over, no matter how many fights we may encounter, nevertheless, I'm getting to where my destiny lies. But then there's a third one. There's a third statement that can revolutionize our life and that is, It comes from Maya Angelou in which she says, nothing will work unless you do. Listen to that again. Nothing will work unless you do. You could never be as victorious as you need to be unless you're willing to work. We can't be lazy Christians, argued John. This is a spiritual battle and a battle that requires that you are well armed, but more importantly, you've got the energy, the tenacity, the boldness to fight. Even though you've already won the victory, you still have to fight. Our focus in this closing sermon is on verse 4 and 5 of chapter 5 and verse 13 through 15 which John directs his community to understand that there is a bottom line perspective about the faith. I just came to tell you four things and then I'm done because I I want us to grasp what John is highly suggesting in terms of understanding what this theme means in reference to a bottom line perspective. First thing The first point I want to tell you is that Satan can't beat us because we are born of God. I'll say it again. Satan can't beat us because we are born of God. Satan doesn't have the victory. Satan can't win. Satan cannot take us where he wants to without our permission because we are born of God. Listen to what chapter 4 says. And verse 4 says, you are, says John, you are from God, child of God. Get that into your spirit. You are from God, child of God, and you have overcome them. Now John is referring to the Gnostics, referring to those who were creating trouble in the congregational life. But John says, when you look at them, remember, you've already overcome them. They they are nothing in the sense of what they're trying to do. You've already overcome it. Whatever challenge, whatever frustration, whatever uh, tragedy, whatever you are facing, remember, you are from God, therefore, you've already overcome. And so John says, you've not only already overcome, but because greater is he, that is in you than he that is in the world John is contending that you got something on the inside of you that the world cannot identify with so they want to know how is it that you smile in the midst of a tragedy how is it that you keep persevering when you've been injured how is it that you keep on praising God when you don't feel like praising God How is it that you keep trusting that prayer will work you through it when you don't see any evidence of the answered prayer? It's because on the inside of you is something far greater and far powerful and it is so powerful and greater that it won't let you lie down even after you've fallen down. You can't stay there because it's greater in you than the person is in the world who has to depend on their own strength and their own power and their own intuition to get up. And John tells us that we are victorious. Satan can't win because we are born of God. Chapter 5, verse 4, listen to what he says. For whoever, he told us in chapter 4, that we're already victorious when you're born of God, But then he tells us in chapter five, verse four, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And so I'm just thinking, whatever the world hurls at you, throws at you, puts in your path as a stumbling block, you've already overcome it. You've already been victorious. John says, we've overcome the world, and that's the victory that has overcome the world it's all in the past tense it's already happened written in the heavens declared even our faith I like that because that suggests to me that sometimes when I don't have enough faith yet God still causes my victory to be experienced some of you can testify to that and that's how we can walk around saying Satan cannot beat us because I'm already victorious, re-emphasizing I've overcome the world. But then there's a second thing that I think John is saying to us. There's a second point, and that second point is God has already blessed me regardless of life's bruises. Listen to verse 4 again in chapter 5, verse 4, but clause B, listen to what he says. But This is the victory that has overcome the world. Notice what he says. This is the victory. This, whatever it is, it's the victory that's overcome the world. And even in accomplishing, experiencing the victory does not exclude me, from the bruises that comes with life listen to what he says in verse 13 of chapter 5 these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God in order that you might know that you have eternal life I know Satan can't beat me because I've already been victorious because of who I am in Jesus Christ and I've overcome the world because he lives on the inside of me and as a result of that Christ in me says Paul the hope of glory in the face of all that I have to experience and even in the midst of the bruises and the brokenness and problems and the persecution says in the words of Cornel West because of Jesus I've got to be willing to live the truth and here's what the truth says Psalm 34 verse 19 here's the truth in the face of all my bruises in the face of all my frustrations in the face of all of my agonies in the face of my hard times here's the truth Psalm 34 verse 19 many are the afflictions of the righteous? God Almighty. But God delivers them out of all of them. I feel like preaching here. Here's somebody here today who's witnessing what I'm saying can testify that you've been through many storms. In fact, I would stop and say, every storm, He's made a way, He's provided a covering. He's provided a shelter. He's given you strength. He's given you direction. He's given you light and darkness, peace in the storm, hope for tomorrow. He has done it in the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord has delivered you out of all of them. I like the way the New Living Translation translates that verse. It says this way, the righteous people will face many troubles. You already know that. The pandemic is no different for the Christian than it was for the non-Christian and that it is for the non-Christian. It's no different. We have the same challenges, but there is a difference. And the difference is greater is he that's on the inside of us. Good God Almighty, that's living, that's alive, that lets us know, be not dismayed. Whatever the tide. God will take care of us. He says the righteous people face many trouble but the Lord comes to rescue each time. So I'm reminded that God has already blessed me regardless of life's bruises. You're a living witness of that as well. But then there's a third thing I think John is telling us. He's saying this, I'm the beneficiary of, of prayer. Look at verse 14 and 15, if you will, in chapter 5 of 1 John. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked of him. In other words, once I lay it before the feet of God, I've got to grasp what the right of Hebrews says. I've got to not only come boldly before the throne of grace, but I've got to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm the beneficiary of what prayer can do. Somebody prayed for me, Somebody is praying for me. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody is praying for you. You are the beneficiary of what prayer can do when you are not even aware that prayer is covering your life. You're the beneficiary. And we shout today, we are in a space of celebration, in a space of comfort, in a space of provision because somebody is praying for us When we're asleep, when we're unaware what somebody is doing. John says that Satan can't beat you because you're born of God. John says that God has already blessed you regardless of life bruises. John says that you are the beneficiary of prayer. In fact, James comes along in chapter 5 verse 16 of his book and says it's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person New Living Translation ends it this way has great power and produces wonderful results got any prayer warriors out there today? got anybody who had to pray their way through had to pray their way through to keep their sanity had to pray your way through the storm for direction Had to pray your way through strength, for strength, when you had no strength? Do I have any prayer warriors who can testify? I know that prayer works. It not only has brought me through, but it's still bringing me through, and I'm having the faith and hope that's going to bring me through every single time because I am the beneficiary of what prayer can do. And there's a fourth and final thing. John says Satan can't beat us because we're born of God. John says God has already blessed us regardless of life bruises. John says that I'm a beneficiary of, of prayer. But then the final thing. Life strengthens my belief in Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse five. And who is the one who overcomes the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Here's what John says. That's the bottom line perspective of my theology. That's the bottom line perspective of my hope. That's the bottom line perspective of my anticipation. God will make me victorious and will see me through and will work it out for my good and will bring all things together because I believe in his son Jesus the Christ John no doubt is piggybacking on what he writes in the 21st chapter of his gospel narrative in which he gives the reason for his writing he says these things I write unto you that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and in believing you will have eternal life that's the reason why John doesn't include all of the biographical narrative in the sense of the genealogy those things that involve the early ministry of Christ the raising of Christ he doesn't include that he is more concerned about unveiling the divinity and the humanity of who Jesus Christ is his Christology is all about showing us you can do it You are victorious because Christ has already done it. Believe in what he does and what he has done and you shall be an overcome. That's the bottom line perspective. I trust that you'll let the Lord work in your life today and give you victory that is already won. All he wants to do it's send it to you. Someone has said that hope is holding out your hands in the midst of darkness. And I want to encourage somebody today if you're in this dark space of this current climate that we are a part of, don't pull your hands back. Let them stay out. But in staying out, lift them up and give adoration to the King of Kings. As the psalmist says, unto the hills, from whence come your help? Your help is going to come from the Lord. That's the bottom line, perspective. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that your word has brought life to someone on this morning, that this day, as they move forward, they can witness the power of your word and how John has encouraged us to maintain strength in the midst of challenging days. Save somebody who calls on your name today, Lord God. And I pray that if their heart is so calling out to you through the power of your spirit, rescue the perishing as only you can do. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. If it was your choice today to make that decision, remember that strong principle of making choice, if you did that, and you made a choice today to accept Christ as Savior, we certainly want to hear about it here at the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church. We want to rejoice with you that you've had a chance to make that decision for Christ, and this is the beginning of a new journey for you. If that has been your experience, if you would just call our church, and you may not get an answer, but leave a message, I certainly will get back with you and just resonate as well as rejoice with you that you are now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We rejoice and celebrate the contributions that each and every one of you make to this congregational existence. We thank you for your consistency and your faithfulness in making ministry the opportunity that it grants us each and every Sunday. We invite you, if you would, at your leisure, pull out your electronic device and lend us your support by way of text or go to our church website and provide your contribution by way of e-giving or send your tithes and offerings to the church we rejoice that you support this ministry we would not be here if it wasn't for your faithfulness and I thank you for being such faithful servants as we close today rejoice that you now have the bottom line perspective. Never forget that you are an overcomer because you're a child of God. And if nothing else, always remember, best is yet to come. Celebrate yourself. Give yourself a big old hug. Let yourself know that God loves you and so do I. Have a blessed, wonderful day in the Lord. In Jesus' name.